Revelation chapter 22, and I would like to just read 11 and 12 tonight, verse 11 and 12. We looked at verse 11 a little bit last week, and we noticed in that verse of Scripture, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. And we saw uh, several verses in the, in the Bible and the Scriptures that shared with us that death changes nothing. When uh, we leave this life, whatever spiritual condition we're in at that moment, that's the spiritual condition we'll be in for eternity. If we leave this life without Christ, we'll have eternity without Christ. If we leave this life with Christ, we have eternity with Christ. And there was a verse of scripture over in the book of Ecclesiastes that shared about the tree. It can stand there and the wind can blow. And once the wind blows it over, that's where it stays. Uh, It's just going to stay in that position. And that's the way we are. Uh, the, The judgment bar of God is not to be a trial to determine the outcome of things. But it is simply a sentencing bar, a welcome or sentencing bar, and uh, that's that's really the, about the last warning in this book. That we have the rest is good stuff for the church, as we found in these past few chapters. All right, verse twelve, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And then verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now in my Bible, the rest of this book is on the last page. <laughs> so we're approaching the last page of this, of this book of Revelation. But we'd like to say a few things here about verse 12. Behold, I come quickly. The scriptures have a lot to say about Christ coming the second time. Christ promised it. The disciples wrote about it. The book of Revelation declares it. It's evident throughout the Old Testament. Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth, and on the earth again shall stand. And it's been a promise contained in the gospel about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the second time. And I'd just like to read two or three of those. Would you turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians? We read this many times, most of the time, when we have communion service, because the Apostle Paul was given this and shared it with the churches, the church at Corinth with us about the Lord's Supper and the symbolism that is there. And it shares with us that the coming of the Lord is a promise. God made it. Christ made it. The angels made it. The disciples made it. They shared it. They keep sharing it. We declare it. And the Bible is, uh, has, has much to say about Christ coming the second time. Now, there's very little about the second coming of Christ, but there is a lot about Christ coming the second time. And by that I mean, many people are talking about signs of the second coming. And that's what we're going to look at in this verse of Scripture. Behold, I come quickly. There's very, very few signs of the second coming. But there is much said about Christ coming the second time. Much difference there. I look for Christ coming the second time. I'm not reading the newspaper trying to figure out what's the signs that's going to let me know that he's coming. And a lot of people are doing that. But 
Very few people really want to know about Christ coming the second time. Because he will come and he will sift when he comes the second time. There will be judgment. All right. Here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, the scriptures share this. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And isn't that just a clear statement about a prophet? I have, re- I have uh, received of the Lord that which also I del- delivered unto you. There is, that's a clear statement about the responsibility of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, of James, of John, of all preachers. I'm just going to give you what the Lord has given to me. And that's what he did. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. This is a representation of my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. There will not be a communion service like this in heaven. This is for this time. And the Lord, upon his return, upon his coming, that will be ended. But this do you, you show the Lord's death till he come. And then would you turn back just a little bit to the book of Acts. The Lord Jesus, on the day that he ascended back to the Father, after he'd accomplished everything that he intended to accomplish, nothing was left undone. Not not one person that he intended to visit went unvisited. Not one word that he intended to say went unsaid. Not one step that he intended to take went unstepped. Not one hand raised, not one voice raised, nothing. Everything was accomplished by the Lord Jesus. And after his resurrection, there was a certain amount of time that he intended to stay on this earth and show his disciples and show those around him that it was he that truly came out of the grave. That he is not someone else, he's not an imposter. He wanted people to know and see. But on that appointed day, it tells us here in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 9, And when he had spoken these words, and that's the passage right before this, when he had spoken these things, while they yet beheld him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Now, this is interesting. This same Jesus, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus, at the appointed time, he will return. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have these good words that the Apostle Paul was used to write down, send to the saints at Thessalonica, been put here in our Bible so we get to rejoice in them as they did. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
The Lord Jesus is coming again. That's his promise. He's made that promise. He will keep that promise. And we find uh, that that promise will be fulfilled at the appointed time. Now I'm going to give away some of the thunder here. There's only one thing preventing the coming of the Lord. It's not a building. It's not a monarchy. It's not people. It's the last sheep has not been saved. That's it. That's all there is. We do not look for signs. We look for Christ coming the second time. So his return is based upon the last sheep being saved. And when that happens, it will be wrapped up. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. What encouragement the Lord gave to Paul to share with the church here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. Now the Apostle Paul shares with us that in his day, there's the possibility. The Lord didn't say when he's going to come back, but the last sheep had not been saved. He says that we which are alive and remain. Now we're there now. We which are alive and remain. We which are alive and remain. Shall not precede them which are asleep. Those that have died. Those that are in the tomb. Those that are in the grave. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. Now I don't know how many commentaries I've read that said that he's going to come secretly. But there is no place in Scripture that ever lets us know that. He's coming with a shout with the voice of the archangel. Noise is going to be made. The Lord shall come from heaven, descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Lord shall come. He will not leave one of his saints in the ground. Not one of them will be left behind. When we were going through the study of Joshua, not one Israelite was left on the other side of the Jordan River. It says they all passed over. Just a sign, a picture, a beautiful allusion to the fact that the Lord Jesus will not leave. Oh, I've heard unfaithful ones may have to go through some serious. There is no such thing as unfaithful or faithful. We're faithful in Christ. Now, we may be unfaithful in ourselves, but faithful in Christ. If he saves us, he's going to keep us. He will bring us with him. And here it says, comfort yourself with this. The Lord shall come. It will be a glorious, glorious presentation of the glory of God. Christ has promised and declared that he will come the second time. Now over in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 it tells us there he'll appear the second time without sin. He'll not be dealing with sin then. He'll be dealing with lost people, sinners, but he'll not be dealing with sin. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. Let's read that together. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. Talks about Christ. He offered to bear the sins of many. The golden opportunities that the Holy Spirit had, if he intended for the Bible to say that Jesus Christ died for everybody, 
He missed a lot because he so often shares with us, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. That's his elect. That's his church. That's those he's given to the Father. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He shall appear to the church. The sin issue was dealt with at the cross. He's not going to bring that up again. The sin issue was dealt by Jesus Christ when he paid the very last for us. It will not be brought up to the church again. He will not even call us saved sinners. We'll be called his children, born after his fashion. It will not be brought up again. He'll not say, well, I know what you used to be like. That's not even going to be brought up. Without sin, he shall appear the second time without sin. Won't be an issue. Second time without sin unto salvation. That will be the time when complete salvation will be given to his people. Now, how is he going to come? We read over there in the book of Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, I come quickly. I come quickly. Well, you know, there's some verses in the Bible that shares that with us. Quickly to the Lord and quickly to us mean two different things. It tells us in the Bible. Well, let's just go back to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Over in Psalm 90, it shares this about the measurement of a thousand years. Now, it's very close. Very close to 2,000 years since the birth of Jesus. There's no one around that was born at that time. Got some old people, but we just have nobody that can reach back that far. I I have family that were close to me that could reach back to the Civil War. Well, that's far back as my family, that I could reach back to a family member and touch the Civil War. Nobody I know can reach back to the birth of Christ. It, it could be done, but it, not by just knowing somebody. It's been 2,000 years. And it's very close to 4,000 years from the time of the birth of Christ to the creation of the world. Just very close, give or take. I've, I've had people say it's between t- six and 10,000 years old, the earth. It was created with the appearance of age. Adam looked like he was probably 25 or 30 years old when he was born or, or created. He was born with the appearance of age. The earth was created with the appearance of age. And God can give a delusion to anybody that wants it about how old it is if that's what they want. They can go count their millions and billions of years. But a thousand years. Turn it here in Psalm 90. Just look at this. Psalm 90. And verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday. Now, two yesterdays ago was the birth of Christ. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's analogy. It's just... It's just giving us something to kind of grasp about the lack of the measurement of time necessary to God. He is not driven by time. He is not caught up in time. As it says there, a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. A thousand years. And over in the book of First Peter, it shares this about a thousand years. Or excuse me, Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three. Let's just go over there and look at that verse. 
So quickly has different meaning to the Lord and to us. We want to look at that in just a moment. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. God's just sharing with us, I don't measure time like you do. we, We live by time, day by day, day by day. Time was created for us. And here... The Apostle John was given this message that Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. The Lord said, I come quickly. Yet as we examine the word quickly, we find out that it holds something about it more than speed. There's more than speed about this word. The Lord Jesus has detained His coming for... 1900 years, 1950 years. We'll just say that. Detained is coming. The last elect has not been saved. It could have been in the days of Paul, but it wasn't. It could have been in the days of the uh, church fathers, early church fathers. It wasn't. The Reformation. It wasn't. Why? Because the last elect was not saved. We'll read a verse or two about that. But he says, I come quickly. It doesn't have it with it. All that means just with speed. Would you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5? The same word is used here. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 25. The same word is used in this verse of Scripture. And it's the word quickly. But notice this. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Deliver, uh, agree with thy adversary quickly. Now it has more than just the meaning of do it speedily. Don't let anything get in your way. Take care of it now. Now here it says that these things might happen, but I know of a fact that if we don't do this speedily, don't let anything get in the way, we wait a day or two and we say, well, it's not quite as important as it once was. Do it and don't let anything get in the way. Now I say that because there is nothing in the way of the coming of Jesus Christ the second time. There is no prophecies that need to be fulfilled. There is no word that needs to be fulfilled. There are no buildings that need to be built. It has more to do with speed. It means there is nothing in the way. The only thing that prevents the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the second time is the last one he died for has not been saved. Don't look to the newspaper. Trust Christ. He's coming. We're not looking for activities. We're looking for Christ coming the second time. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew 28. Again, the same word is used here. Matthew 28 and verse 8. 
and they departed quickly from the sepulcher. Now that word quickly means more than fast. It means nothing got in their way. Now there's a couple reasons. If you read in another one of the, of the uh, Gospels, it says they were in great fear. Now if you want to know when nothing's in your way, that's when great fear comes upon you. It's quickly, yes, but nothing detains us. And there's nothing detaining no man-made, no man-created, no man-idea is detaining the coming of the Lord. What's preventing him? His good news has not been spread everywhere. The last sheep has not been saved. They departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. When... uh. These two disciples ran there. One of them outran the other one. There was an older disciple that didn't run as fast as the younger disciple, and the younger disciple got there quicker. On the way out, it didn't matter how fast they were running. It means there was nothing in the way. They got away. Nothing was in their way. Another verse I'd like to look at, and it has to do with Mary. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. It's the resurrection of Lazarus. Resurrection of Lazarus, John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus intentionally, Jesus intentionally stayed away from Bethany and intentionally stayed away from Lazarus while he was sick. Intentionally. It's not by mistake. It's on purpose. He intended to stay away until after he had died. And he might show the glory of God. All right, notice here in John 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Verse 29. Here's where that word is. Quickly. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly. Now I had asked myself, what was she doing? Well, I don't know what she was doing, and I don't know what was going through her mind at the time. Her brother had died, maybe she's fixing a meal, but when word came, there was nothing that stood in her way. She quickly went, but it didn't mean how fast she went, it meant that she had nothing standing in her way to get there. And that's the way it is with the Lord. There is nothing standing in His way. We don't have to wait for ten nations to become the returned ten tribes of the Roman Empire. We don't have to wait for a temple to be built. We don't have to wait for a red heifer to be found. We don't have to wait for the reinstatement of the Jewish monarchy and the Jewish religion. We don't have to wait for all these things to happen that are supposed to, the, the chart has. We're not down here at the end of the chart waiting for the end of the chart. Jesus said, I come quickly and there's nothing prohibiting me from coming now. Except the last sheep is not saved. I'm not waiting for any of that stuff. That's not on my agenda. If people build it, they're not doing it on my, my guidance. All right. 
She was there, she's sitting, and in verse uh, 29 it said there, As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now I'm sure there was a crowd around because they said, uh, where's she going? But she didn't let them detain her. I'm sure she had food to fix, but she didn't let that detain her. I'm sure she had things to do, but that didn't detain her. She went quickly, or she went with nothing prevented her from going. So it is with the Lord. She rose quickly. She came to him. What was she doing? I don't know. Where was she doing it? I don't know. What was going through her mind? I don't know. But I know this. When word came, she went quickly and nothing prevented her from going. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. And we find here why the Lord is detained. He will not have any empty chairs in heaven. There will not be any unused crowns in heaven. There will not be anybody in the choir missing in heaven. There will not be any place that is not filled in heaven. Every place, every person there has a place, and every place has a person. He has, was chosen in him before the world began, and it will be accomplished. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he will come quickly as soon as the last one is saved. Then we will hear the great shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Those that are dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are yet remaining, if we should be that generation, will not precede them. They will go, we will go, and everything will be fulfilled as it is promised. Look here in Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I'm, I'm glad for that word slack. <laughs> not slack. Concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. Where is the Lord? We have record here in the, in the New Testament that many people say, uh, we're just tired of waiting for him. We're going to go on about our business. We've heard about it, and we've heard about it, and you've told us about it, and it's not happened. He said, I come quickly. Nothing's preventing me except the last one is not saved. Don't lose heart. The last one is not saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any of the usward, that's what that word any refers to, should perish, but that all should come to repentance, all the usward. All shall repent. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise. There's not going to be any signs. Some guy stands up in California and says he's coming back on a certain day. Believe it not. Nobody that knows Christ would have been concerned if he had have come back that day. But fools, only fools will bring that up. We're not day setters. We're saying he will come again. And it goes on to tell us here, The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be as dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? 
looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blemish. An account, keep this in mind, account, reckon with it. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. He's detained himself. It means salvation to his elect, all of them. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. The long-suffering, he is long-suffering. Man, the world's going in a, in a handbasket. It's going downhill so quick, it makes our heads spin. The long-suffering of the Lord means salvation. Why isn't he back here with all this mess going on? We just celebrated, what, 40 years since the Watts riots? Man, that would have been a good time for him to come back. <laughs> all the lot elect were not in. Oh, look at all the mess was in through all World War II, Korea, all the Vietnam, the mess the world's in. And look at it now. You know, just a sideline, the only preacher I've ever read that had anything to say about the Muslims is Robert Hawker. He saw something there. The great mess that we're in. What a mess. Good time for him to come back. What's preventing him? He says, I come quickly. Everything's ready. As soon as the word gets to the last one. And the Holy Spirit quickens that last one. The last one is saved by the grace of God. I'm long suffering till then. When that's done, then it will be over. I will lose my long sufferingness. The last one is saved. So what was she doing? She was sitting. When word came, she went. What's he doing? He's sitting. The last one is saved. The long suffering of the Lord is over. And then the salvation is complete. Even as the rest of the writers of the Bible have spoken about. The long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Now, just in a few moments we have left, and I won't take all this time, but would you go back with me there and let's finish that verse and look at what it says in the remainder of it. Behold, I come quickly. Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I come quickly. I come speedily. I come with nothing preventing. There's nothing preventing. The prophets were until John prophesied of the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles and writers of the New Testament says Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. No, in actuality, there's only one place in all the Bible. I can remember. You might know of something else. But one place where there was a definite period of time given in the Bible when something would be accomplished. Daniel chapter 9. Seven years. Seven years of weeks. The temple wall and temple and Jerusalem wall would be built in perilous times. Took 49 years. From then on are 62 weeks until Jesus' baptism. And in the middle of the week, he was cut off and fulfilled everything that was prophesied he would fulfill. Put sin away. That's the measurement. And I just thought of another one. Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. <laughs> just not, not much other measuring time in the Bible. But those, that coming of the Lord, putting away sin, was so great. All right, now, 
and my reward is with me. That that word reward means uh, my. Uh, I'm going to give out the pay. Give out the pay. My reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Now he will dispense rewards and punishments to men according to their works agree or disagree with the word of God. We're not looking at some new doctrine here. It's going to be as they men's works agree or disagree with the word of God. Now, what does the Bible say about a saved person? What do they look at works? Not by works of righteousness, which I've done. The church agrees on this. Titus chapter 3. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. We never, ever appeal to our works to approach Christ. We appeal to his works so that we approach Christ. It's not by our works of righteousness. In Ephesians chapter 2, the church has been hanging on this for all the time that it's been written. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's our part of works. He ordained them that I should walk in these works. He ordained that I should walk in him. He he ordained that I should be in Christ. It's not my works. Oh, pity the people that are depending on their works to approach unto God. For God said, they will be on the left-hand side. That's what it tells us in Matthew 25. Anybody that depends on their works will be on the left-hand side. That's a sure, sure statement about left-hand side people. The goats on the left-hand side will appeal to God. And will say, have we not done many mighty works in thy name? And they will appeal, when did we not do the works? And those on the right-hand side will say, not by works of righteousness that I've done. I'm his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I'm not depending on anything but his good works. His work on the cross, his work of mercy and grace... We depend on Christ. We depend on His works. We depend on His. And those on the left-hand side depend on themselves. They depend on their own works. They depend on their own ability to present themselves holy to God. And Jesus Christ Himself said, I will say unto them, I never knew you. That's just an indicator where they are. (laughs) The pin, they're pegged out. I'm going to heaven on my works. Left-hand side right there. Nothing to it. And those on the right, when did we do that? When did we do that? So, I'll give every man according to his work. He will dispense rewards and punishments to men according as their works agree or disagree with the word of God. The word of God says, by grace are you saved. And anybody that attempts to change that to works, they've already identified themselves as not being known. Now, it doesn't mean that they won't be changed. My goodness, I've never met a believer yet that believes in the grace of God that didn't at one time say, you know, I'm a pretty good guy and I'm going to get there on my own. And God, by His mercy, strips us. And then... We trust Him. 
And it's not our works, but it's His. So He's going to do that. And then He declares how He can do that. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. And I think we're going to look at that as the trio of grace. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. All right, we'll stop there. And Lord willing, next time we'll pick up verse 13 and we'll head for the finish line.